verses 42, and I'm ready to suggest that Providence be an Acts 2.42 church. Uh, that at the, at the heart of who we are, and this should be true of all churches, but let's just, let's just narrow it down to us and talk about us, those of us here today, and, and Providence, those listening. Who are we? What is it that earmarks us? When people in the community think about us, what do they think about? In Acts 2, verse 42, it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So let's just kind of recap, and uh, we want to look at the results of what will happen if we do this. Let's just kind of recap what we've covered so far. So uh, we began by uh, saying that fellowship is very important, and kind of overall, and then we, uh, and we, we looked at the apostles' teachings. What is the apostles' teachings? And uh, the conclusion that we came to was the apostles were as near to Jesus as anyone, and these are people from 16 different nations, 15 different nations, who are coming, and they're, they're, they hear the gospel, they confess Jesus is Lord, and so in one day, they baptize 3,000 people. And then they, they, they say, okay, so what is at the heart of what we do? The apostles' teaching. And the apostles' teaching is the apostles' teaching the people the things they knew about Jesus. And we suggested that that would be the gospels today. And we went on a journey, we're in the, ready for the fourth week of our journey into the Apostles' teachings. So um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. Uh, we've, we read Matthew the first week, Mark the second week, and this last week we read Luke. Now, by the way, for those of you here and listening, uh, the gospel for the coming week is John. And for those of you visiting, we're going to do that five times. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, a week, every week. So now I'm curious. I'm just going to open it up. This is a little interactive today. So Luke, if you read Luke, does it, maybe nobody read it here. I did. And let me just give you my, uh, kind of my feedback from reading Luke that I want some of yours. Um, I read it in one sitting. And it is amazing the amount of healing Jesus did. I, I was just struck by the people Jesus healed. And it, then I went back, I actually went, had to go back, and in Luke 4, it says, when Jesus came to his hometown, they gave him the scroll, and he found a place in Isaiah where it says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted, to give uh, sight to the blind, uh, set the captives free, you know that passage? And, and then Jesus says, today this is fulfilled in your eyes, in front of you, to his home people. Uh, by the way, they got mad at him and chased him out and said, that's Joe's boy. Isn't he the carpenter's son? Go. They got but I, I was just struck by how Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free, bring sight to the blind, and he does that. And he does it. Like all these times that Jesus healed, 
people. So, feedback from you if you read Luke. Yeah. That is really good, Cheryl. I, I can't notice that story too again this time. And by the way, this can be about any of the gospel readings and how they interact and anything. Anyone else? That's really good. And I noticed also in, in um, Luke this time around, I noticed how many times Jesus gives this kind of simple, like, just ask. Uh, I, I'm curious, did anybody listen to it? Or is anyone listening to it? How does that work? Like, how, how do you like that? Feedback? Yeah. It's scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. And, and don't give up if you didn't make it. There, here is the, uh, the weeks that will do it. Don't, like, don't kick yourself if you don't make it through in a week. This is not about condemnation. This is about just simply engaging with Scripture, learning about Jesus as much as possible. Anyone else? I Remember I talked to you about the immerse reading? I, I'm so taken by this. I had to bring them along and show you. Um, so this is the entire Bible. In paperback form, this is the Bible. Um, I mean, you read, you can read six paperbacks a year. So, so beginnings is—I uh, don't even know what begin, uh, beginnings. The first five books, Genesis, and then it goes to Kingdoms, and then Prophets and Poets, and then it ends with Chronicles. And by, that is a typical uh, structure of the Hebrew Bible as the Jews would have read them. And by the way, let me tell you this. Um, things like uh, chapter divisions, verse divisions, section headings, they're not, um, they're not uh, inspired. Uh, but they're not a part of Scripture until the invention of the printing press, essentially. 1400s. And the, the order of the Bible, it is clear from history that the church used the Bible in whatever order suited them the best. This is kind of the chronological order of, of how people would have read the Bible throughout history. The, the common order of our scripture, 
like how, how it's laid out in your Bibles, that your paper Bibles that you have, is, is a fairly, it's only 500 years old. So only about a quarter of a Christian history has had the Bible laid out in this way. What, they've done, what they did with this uh, layout like this is they, for instance, in Paul's letters, they put them together from, from uh, uh, longest to the shortest. Well, I mean, okay, I, I guess there is some sense of order to that. Maybe the printers liked it better. That I don't know. Um, but this actually, uh, and there are other ways of doing this. This was just the most efficient way that I found. Uh, by the way, I, I, I'm almost ready to just buy everybody a Bible, like a New Testament like this. Uh, I could buy books for you and go into a poorhouse doing it, but I, you really do need to buy at least the New Testament like this. They're available at the Gospel Bookstore. Murphs aren't here, or else we'd get a price. If you want the whole set, I think they can get the whole set. But, so, I, I, like, can I just tell you a little bit? I mean, I'm excited about this because it, it's revolutionized the way we, I think about the Scriptures. For instance, here, uh, they, they lay it out a little differently. They, they take Luke, and they begin the, the account with Luke, and then go to Acts. Now, how, what do you know about Acts? Who wrote Acts? Luke did, and it's written to the same person, Theophilus. Theophilus is probably a Roman, maybe somebody who's come to Christ, maybe a Gentile who's come to Christ. And this, I found this really fascinating. In the transition from Luke to Acts, listen, the last verses of Luke say this. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy, and they spent all their time in the temple praising God. And then Acts, he has a, a short section at the beginning of Acts, uh, three or four paragraphs. In the first book I told you, Theophilus, everything, about Je- everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And then, after the kind of the opening lines, it says this, the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. Now again, let's go back to the end of Luke. It says this, so they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy, and they spent all their time in the temple praising God. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of about a half mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house. They were saying, it's kind of this, un, this kind of seamless uh, process. And it, it, it tells you the story. So Luke and Acts tells you the story of Jesus' arrival on earth. It was Jesus' birth, Luke 2. It's the process we use. And, and goes all the way through until... At the very end of Acts, it's given over to us and say, now Acts 29 is you. And I, I, I find it, and then, so, so it just kind of helps with seamless reading. So in this case, then they, because that then opened up the world to the Gentiles, they, they move right into the writings of Paul to the Gentiles, and, and, and not books by order, but books by chronological, or so when they were written. So 1 Thessalonians is first, and, and it just created a really good seamless reading. Then they moved to Mark. And because Mark is Peter, probably Peter's eyewitness account, they do Mark and First and Second Peter and Jude. And then you read. And it is, it's just like I actually want to read my Bible, which is a challenge sometimes. Do you know this challenge sometimes? Think, oh, well, I, I got to have my devotion. Like this is different. I, I suddenly want to read it. And it, it's, it's fascinating what it does. The other thing it also does is it allows you to, there are no section headings or anything. Now, you can tell where you're going up in very small print, 
but I try not to look at it. I try to read it. Just read it for the story, for the account of how Jesus came to earth and brought life to the world. And as, as I was thinking about all that, I, I was thinking, oh, that's, you know what? That's, what, that's what will revolutionize the world more than anything else, is Jesus. And the more we know about Jesus, the more we connect about Jesus, the more commonness we have. Because if we try to find the common denominator to bring us all together here at Providence, we're not going to find it. Because you like running, and I, I like eating donuts. By the way, I read this week that 117 people in the last... Uh, 131 people in the last 15 years have died weightlifting. But they're only aware of one person who died eating donuts. So you have to keep your priorities straight. You keep your life safe. Don't go on this exercise. No, just kidding. Okay, so do you understand what I'm saying? It's like somebody likes running. Somebody likes uh, trucks uh, and engines. And to me, they're the curse of the world. And, and you know, so, so we, can, we can have all these things, and, and each one of us brings that, but we won't find a common denominator in those things. It has to be bigger than that. And that's why the New Testament over and over says, with one voice, with one heart. And that one heart is found in Jesus. And so a church that isn't bound together around Jesus will never have unity. Will never have unity. We need to be bound together around Jesus. And therefore, if you want to be bound together around the thing that binds us together, get to know Jesus. And so this is a great way. I, that's kind of a... I went off there a little bit, but I, I would really recommend that you, you think about uh, getting something like this, and then maybe you'll want the, the rest. I, I'm intending to read through the scriptures this year, the rest of the year, using this. Um, and you can look at these afterwards if you wish. So the apostles' teaching. And the, the second thing then we suggested is that uh, fellowship. And let's think a little bit about practical ways we can do fellowship. Small groups. On Friday night, uh, most of our small group was together, and we didn't have anything too organized, and we sat around the circle, and, and we had uh, uh, David Fuller cooked a good supper, and, uh, and we ate, and we fellowshiped together. We broke bread, and we sat together. And there's something powerful that happens in those moments that is beyond a lesson or anything like that. It's this kind of binding together of hearts that happens when we, when we talk about our week and what's happened and, and how that, you know, what, what's going on in our world and what's going on in our, in our what are we doing? Are we busy? Are we all busy? And, you know, what are, what are the things that you've done? Things like that. It, when, when, we, when we connect at that level, it allows access into our hearts. I think that's why fellowship is important because it, as, as we bind together around Jesus... It opens up our hearts to each other, and as we open up our hearts to each other, we're going to begin to see who the real people are. Who really is Marcus? Who really is Sean? Who really is Emily? And as, as that happens, we, we, we learn what it really means to love. Like, I'm sometimes bothered by how I hear Christians talk about other Christians in their church. And, and I think, well, do they... Yeah, I mean, there's differences. And how can, we, how can we kind of break through that and say, you know, those are my brothers and sisters, and I'm going to learn, um, you know, maybe they don't do everything the way I do them. Maybe they even uh, rub me a little bit the wrong way. 
And, and if I can kind of see through that and say, okay, so what is going on behind that? And how do I get to know this person? Suddenly it opens doors to, to connection and relationship in the way that Jesus meant for it to happen. And I think that's what's happening in the early church here. Now, don't forget, these are people from at least 15 different na- uh, places in, in, in the Roman world, and some of them are at war with each other. So it can't be uh, a, nas- a political party or anything like that that binds them together. Something much bigger. So the apostles' teaching and fellowship, and then it says the third thing that they did was they prayed. Prayer. We talked last, a couple weeks ago about prayer. Um, and last week I brought up the fact that the Moravian prayer wheel, uh, the, this one small group of 300 Christians send out 300 missionaries in 65 years' time. They absolutely revolutionized the world. They absolutely revolutionized the world. John Wesley, people like that, they're all impacted. And John Wesley impacts all these people over here. And, and the, the great awakenings and those things, they, they come out of this small group of 300 people praying around the clock, for a for hundred years, they had somebody praying. Uh, this uh, Hernhut, the uh, Moravian colony, they, that prayed. they had a prayer wheel where they had somebody praying every hour of all 24 hours, and they did it for a hundred years, and they revolutionized the world. Uh, when they got, when, they, when uh, Count Zinzendorf got there, they, did, they weren't getting along. They were fighting. They had finally had peace for a little bit, and they were fighting. And he said they began to pray, and it, first of all, it revolutionized them, then it revolutionized the world. Do we really want to change the world? Let's pray. Now, I'm curious. Uh, some of you set your alarms this week. How did that go? Did you like that? 159, um, Thursday, thir- Wednesday or Thursday of this week, uh, I had forgotten I had a meeting. And at 159, I was with somebody in my office, not a formal meeting, uh, but I was talking to somebody in my office and this thing, my, my alarm, I need to set it differently because it's kind of annoying, but uh, it, it went off and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? And I, I said, can you excuse me, please? I, I'd like to step out for a few minutes. I need to take care of this. I went over to the kitchen at the center and closed the door and nobody in there <laughs> and I prayed. Now, it doesn't all, won't always work like that. Just don't forget it. So what we're doing for the visitors is we've decided to set some key points during the day and we set alarms, and we're at, when those alarms go off during the week, we're going to pray for the church, specifically for Providence and our people. Now, I'm curious, feedback from any of you. Anyone else? I think I should probably set my alarm to something different so the alarm sound doesn't annoy me. Uh, Anyone else want to talk about that? So what are other practical ways we can pray together? I think about just having prayer meeting, you know. But then I think, like, okay, so I get to, I, we know each other pretty well, so I'll just be upfront and honest. In many of our worlds, prayer meeting was a way to get people to come to church, and it was kind of a, I, I, I want to be careful, I say, it often ended up kind of being business meeting kind of things, 
where people were beat up over the, beat over the head with something in church. And they, they weren't prayer meetings. And I don't want that. Let, when we get together to pray, let's pray and enjoy and give and hear. Let, let's continue to grow this experiment a little bit because I think that if we can grow this experiment, it will revolutionize us. Any other ideas you thought about praying? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know some of you have reached out to me over the past two weeks and with prayer requests personally. Please continue to do that with each other. Like if you're facing something, whether it's a meeting at work or something, pray. Ask your brothers and sisters to pray for you. It exposes your heart, which we're afraid of. And it opens up, but it opens up doors for relationships that you didn't know. So, apostles' teaching, fellowship, and prayer. And then we talked about their generosity. This one's a little harder, and I've been thinking about how, what to do about this. Because for the others, we were very intentional. So, my alarm goes at 159 uh, p.m., and that's for you visitors. That's because we, our church is on uh, Township Road 159. And so we, we've set four markers through the day. Uh, help me out. I, I think I wrote them down somewhere. 159, 849, 3.30 in the afternoon, and somebody in the forenoon, 6.20 in the morning. Now we need one more. I discovered we're at, we have at least six hours where someone isn't praying. We need, some, we need some of you to consider setting your alarms for somewhere between 10 and 11 o'clock in the morning. And I'm going to suggest 10.04. 10.04? Anybody want to set their alarms to 10.04? You can move it, set it. Would that work better for some of you? Because we have a, at least a six-hour period where someone isn't praying, and I'd like to close the gap. 10.04? Yeah, 10.04. Good. Number, a couple of you will pray at 10.04. So set your alarms for that. So now, Giving. So Christians are giving about 2.5% of their income. Um, people who make $20,000 or less are, are eight times more likely to give than people who get, make $75,000 or more. So we can do it two ways. You can either give and we can upset the balance about more money or you can choose to make less so you give more. Uh, I, I was thinking about this and... Uh, Think through this. Help me think through this. What are practical ways we can do it? Uh, I, I talked to Chris about this, and I'm going to plant a seed. I, we often have kind of difficulty figuring out how, to, how much money we're going to make have coming in as a church. Suppose I gave each of you a 3 by 5 card, each of you families, and you said, I'm willing to, I want to give this much every week, Lord willing, for the rest of this year. And you write that figure down. Some of you have immediately your, your kind of reservations went up a little bit. And that's, uh, the reservations are built around two things. You shouldn't know what I give, 
Secondly, or, or maybe it's because you're afraid you'll make the commitment and not keep it. And again, we don't have to be cut and dry, but think through some of that and we'll, we'll revisit it. Now, so, so there's those four things, and I want us to just kind of end with this. So the, this is a group of people, the early church, who they're, they're, they're a group of people who are from many different places are being brought together. And in that, they, they, they decide they're going to follow the teachings of Jesus, they're going to pray, they're going to fellowship, and they're going to do that with generous hearts. By the way, I talked about Ananias and Sapphira last time. Maybe that's why you're afraid to give three by five cards. You know, that is the reverse of raising people from the dead. They also knocked them dead in that world. Um, it's the reverse. There's the power of life and death in, in, in the hands of God's people. And as I was thinking about this, I, 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 there are four, five things that come out. If we're going to live like this, this is what's going to happen to Providence. If we're willing to make this uh, commitment, uh, this is what will happen to Providence because it happened to them. First of all, the Holy Spirit is going to move. In Acts 4.31, it says, The Spirit moved among them. And when we're willing to live like this, the Spirit will move among us. We'll be able to hear the Spirit. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you went to a church where it said, We hear the Spirit of God. Well, you know what? It's possible. In fact, it should be that. But we need to return to these basics. So the Holy Spirit will move. The second thing is the Lord will add to our number. Now that may look not, not in the way we think it will, but the Lord will add to our number because we are going to have a dynamicness that many churches don't have. You know what people are looking for in our world today? Authentic Christianity. Real stuff. And when we are real, we don't have to have it all together. When we're real, God will move. The, second, uh, the third thing it will do is there will, we'll have one heart and one soul. One voice. The oneness that comes in this group of people comes because they're willing to follow Jesus. That's us. And then, this is a unique one. If we're willing to commit ourselves to the apostles' teachings, to prayer, to fellowship, and to generosity, we will become forgiving. So in a few weeks from this event, the church, uh, another thing it'll do is it'll add more leaders. You want more leaders in your church? Then let's do these things because the church needed to add leaders quickly. So in a few weeks, they're going to add leaders. And they add a leader and he's dynamic in giving and he preaches. And it so makes the world around them angry that Stephen is stoned. And when he's stoned, it lights a fire in a young Jew named Saul. And that young Jew named Saul begins immediately to kill people, to pursue and kill Christians. And then this wonderful, momentous event happens in the life of Saul, and he takes the name Paul, where he meets Jesus. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be sitting in Providence, in that, let's say the church is named Providence, in that world, a few years later, the door, back door opens and this man stumbles in. He comes in and sits down and this kind of ripple effect goes through the church and says, that's the Paul. That's Saul. And there's probably people sitting in that church whose parents or brothers and sisters or friends had been killed by this man.
and yet the church forgives him. I think that forgiveness can only happen and, and that kind of ability to reach out beyond ourselves can only happen when we realize our need of Jesus, our need of each other, our need for prayer and connectedness in that way, and our need to give to the world around us. This is a full-fledged Christian life because it addresses your relationship with God, your relationship with each other, and your relationship with the world. That's all we need. So let's be an Acts 2.42 church. I think on our sign out here, we should put Acts 2.42. We're growing, we're giving, we're forgiving. And let me just say this about forgiveness. I think forgiveness is the ultimate act of generosity that there is. Because we're opening up our hearts and giving to people around us. Let's stand together. I don't know um, how you felt about the last five weeks as we've talked from Acts 2, but I tell you, this has become... Sometimes when you preach a series, you're glad when you're done. Because you get to do... I'm not glad we're done. I'd want to just keep right on going and just thinking through this, but we're praying, Chris and I in particular are praying, that God would give us wisdom to know where to move to next in preaching. If you haven't noticed, we try to preach together so that we present a cohesive message. So if you have input for us... Please let us know. But this has been a powerful, in my own life, this has been powerful. It's returned me to that basic idea of following Jesus, loving each other, and praying and giving. Jesus, we invite your presence. And I, I pray that you would make providence. I pray that we would be willing to make the sacrifice to make providence in Acts 2.42 church. Built around you. Built around your ways. Please be with us as we leave. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.